0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who episode 209. One
1: day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, you regenerate. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Brave hearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon.
0: Unlimited vice pudding! Position you Wearing know. a mid thin. Fantastic. I
2: am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da. Ooh. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the first Doctor story, The Feast of Stephen. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy.
2: Merry Christmas, Dom.
0: Merry Christmas. And Father Cory, Merry Christmas to you.
2: And Merry Christmas.
0: So as you all know, this is our Christmas episode. Every year we've, so far, most years, we've done a Christmas special episode, whether it's the actual Christmas episode of a new series, a new season, or when there isn't a new season, we'll look at a Christmas special from uh, last year we did Big Finish, or I think we did last year Big Finish. Mm -hmm. But we've done Big Finish, we've done other Doctors. And this one, we're going to the very first sort of Christmas special. It is. Uh, It's a Christmas special. Sure. Well, yeah, it's true. It is true. So this is an episode that—the first Doctor Who episode to ever air on Christmas Day. This is Mm -hmm. the first Doctor, and it was Christmas of 1965, Mm -hmm. and it was in the middle of a 12-part serial called The Daleks Master Plan.
1: Which is actually sort of a 13-part serial because it had a detached cold open that none of the main cast appeared in.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh right, which has been reproduced, by the way. Yeah, they they actually re- recreated, they completely refilmed it about the eh, beginning of the year, <laughs> way way back, long before you know <laughs> everything prehistory,
1: <happened. laughs> yeah. before the dark times began. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh,
0: it was uh, by a university in Britain. We talked about it once before, yep. I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, on the show.
2: This feast of Stephen it, it was a good idea, you know. kind of looking back because you know you said they're in the middle of this very long story arc. Very intense, very dark story arc, and mm-hmm. then you have this little one-off, which is frankly a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed watching this one. This is just yeah, j- just great, just re- re- refreshing, shall we say? Yeah, y- yeah. So the detached cold open episode is called
1: "Mission to the Unknown," and it was mm-hmm. the first, and I think it may be the only Doctor Who episode in which none of the main cast appear. Right. And it set up a situation that would then be paid off in the twelve part series, The Dalek's Master Plan, which is set in the fortieth century. So it's mm-hmm. after it's two thousand years after the Dalek invasion of Earth where the doctor dropped off Susan. And the Dalek's plan to you know attack the solar system and use a device called a time destructor, which is dependent on some unobtainium that is going to get mentioned in this episode. They need right. the unobtainium to do it. And there there's a um, like council of galactic guardians who are from all these different alien races, and they look really cool. They really mm-hmm. made an effort to to make, even though they're all humanoid mostly, they they made an effort to make them look non-human. And the Daleks are also plotting with Mavic Chin, the guardian of the solar system, and they, this series features the return of the meddling monk. Mm-hmm. So it's his second appearance. And it also has the highest body count for companions ever. Mm-hmm. Right. Two companions die during the course of the Daleks' master plan. The first is Katarina, who is a girl from like the Trojan War that has just got introduced right before this. And right. the character regarded the Doctor as a god and the TARDIS as a celestial temple. And I, I, the what I've read is that they didn't think the character was working. That unlike some characters from the past who work well with the Doctor, like Jamie, Katerina wasn't working out. And so she sacrificed herself to save the Doctor. She got airlocked deliberately. Mm. She was spaced. Wow. But she was she did it saving the Doctor. And then the other companion who dies is uh, Sarah Kingdom, who we Mm -hmm. meet in this episode. Sarah is one of the Doctor's two companions in this. The other is Stephen. Stephen is a space pilot from about the 24th century. Sarah Kingdom is a member of the Space Security Service from the 40th century. Mm -hmm. So she's a native of the time. Mm. She also is a very efficient security agent. And she is ruthless when it when it's called for. In fact, she kills her brother on the orders of Mavic Chen. And her brother is another security agent played by the same actor who plays Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. So,
0: oh, right, right,
1: yes. Before he's in that role, yeah. Okay, but Sarah is on the side of good, and she ends up also getting taken out by the time destructor in the end. But we're not there yet. She's uh, yes. still got a lot of life in her, and she and Steven are accompanying the doctor.
0: So most of this serial is missing. The the, the, the yes. films, the the reels are missing. And what we watched is was reconstructed in animation, and there's various mm-hmm. versions online. I watched one that was on YouTube. I think it was a fan animation, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there, there are others out there. Make sure you get the whole thing. It's going to be 24 minutes long. There are some yeah. that are for for some reason truncated,
1: and uh, it also ends with the doctor breaking the fourth wall and toasting right. "Happy Christmas" to the audience. Yep. So that's the one you want to watch. I watched right. a version that was reconstructed from telesnaps
2: with a little right. additional minimal animation. Father, what did you watch? I watched the same one, the one that you sent you sent us a link to. That's the one I watched.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And and by the way, uh, if Sarah Kingdom looked familiar, it was playing by she was played by Gene Marsh. Yeah. Who, Pops up all over the place. I mean, she's one of these actresses. If you've yeah. watched anything from Britain, you've seen her probably. Right. Um, she was Richard the Lionheart's sister in the Crusade. I think that was second season, if I remember right. Uh, Doctor Who. Morgane in Battlefield in the seventh Doctor time. Mm-hmm. And she even was in Adventure in Space and Time. She was a uh, just one of the party guests kind of mingling around in oh, that. Oh, nice. But she's, she's, a, she's an actress that, of course, has been in Upstairs, Downstairs, and all kinds right. of other things. And was also married to a doctor. Yes. She was married to John Pertwee.
1: Yeah. Oh. And she was one of the co-creator, producer types of Upstairs, Downstairs, and she Mm -hmm. played
2: the lady's maid Rose on that series. She's still alive and she's still doing Big Finish as Sarah Kingdom. As Sarah Kingdom, yeah.
0: Wow, cool. So the the title, The Feast of Stephen, I noted as we were talking about this uh, when we were preparing. Is that they misspelled Stephen? Because Stephen, for the eponymous Stephen from the Bible, is usually spelled S T E P H E N. Well, that's because this is refers to Stephen Taylor, the companion. So it's right. a little a little joke there. Uh, and this was the the whole point behind putting this Christmas interlude in the middle of the Daleks' Master Plan is, is they figured the, the the powers that be at the BBC figured no one's going to be watching doctor who on christmas day you know this back in 1965 before they did this sort of thing so we needed something that we could just you know throw in there that wouldn't be would no one would have to miss an episode Mm -hmm. there were no vcrs so you wouldn't miss the story continuation also
1: if you if anybody is watching doctor who on christmas day they don't want something dark yes they could have done what soap operas do which is just Slow the plot down, laddie, slow the plot <laughs> yeah. down. Hey, hey, slow the plot down. But they didn't. They didn't want just dark plotting or well, a dark story where nothing really happens for Christmas. So they wanted a light comedy instead. And that's what they
2: did. Let's be honest. Doctor Who at this time, slowing the plot down would have basically slowed it to uh, still frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is
0: that that's notable about this is it was the first... Doctor Who story that was junked by the BBC. That was because back in the day, in the first and second Doctor's time, they would reuse or just throw out the the uh, the, the film reels because, yeah. yeah, because they didn't need you know they didn't think anyone would care about them. They they're 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 just so ephemeral, uh, and because it was aired on Christmas Day in the UK, they figured well, none of the overseas clients, the overseas BBC clients in the Commonwealth, wanted a Christmas episode in March or February when they would get it. So they just didn't bother and they just threw it away. They threw away the 16 millimeter black and white uh, film uh, mm-hmm. or the, well, they didn't make a 16 millimeter. That's what they usually sent overseas. Right. So they, they just got rid of the videotape. And, but it is the only part of this whole Daleks master plan serial that has telesnaps. And apparently they were done by one of the actors in this. So one of the guys who was in this episode, who was not a regular telesnap guy, did it. It was It was a very interesting... Robert mm. Jewell, who played the Bing Crosby mm, at nice. the end of this... you will get to that, <laughs> how Bing Crosby sort of shows up in this one. Uh, he did the
2: telesnaps. Among others.
0: Yes. And also, as we mentioned, it's the first uh, Doctor Who, and I think the only Doctor Who so far, that has the Doctor or any character breaking the fourth wall and directly addressing the viewers at home, so... Uh, it's I notable in that.
1: I believe that's the part that survives.
0: Yes. Uh, so they, in,
1: they played that on Blue Peter, I think.
0: Oh, mm. right, right, right. So it was in something else that survived. So so let's talk about this episode itself, because it's, uh, it's not—it is a romp. It is a classic comedic romp, uh, yeah. just all kinds mm-hmm. of silliness and, and, and fun things go on. It starts with the TARDIS landing in 1960, so it's departed— from the 40th century well
1: 1965 yep
0: is it 65 60- it's oh, okay okay i yeah. saw something that said 1960 but it might have been 1965 uh which is right it's not is not it's from the era in which the show airs so yeah. that's Present that's the important A. part and it is funny that the doctors they're not quite sure where they are the scanner is broken and so the doctor uh, thinks that they're on some poisonous planet where, where you know, you cannot survive outside. Only the doctor could possibly survive because he's used to such things. Well, it's polluted, smoggy London in 1965, yeah. basically.
1: Yeah. I, I like how Sarah, as a new companion, doesn't fully know how the TARDIS works yet because she says, I think something's wrong and notes the central console has stopped going up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They have to explain to her that means we've landed. Yeah. Right. But she does uh, know enough to be able to fix the scanner by herself when she gets the chance.
0: Yes, that's right. She's she's a capable ca- uh, female companion, which you didn't
1: you sometimes got in the 60s. Oh yeah, she's she's a, not just a capable female companion, she's a capable female action companion. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's handy with a gun and with martial arts and all kinds of she's like a she's like a, a less futuristic version of Leela, if I can put it that way.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 They've uh, materialized outside a police station in London in <laughs> In what looks like a police box, and a there's a group of policemen there who are suspicious of its sudden appearance.
1: In part because you don't need to put a police box right across from a police station. That's the <laughs> yeah. function of police boxes, yeah. to, is to serve as many little remote police stations.
0: Right. Exactly. But they accept it because, you know, it's something odd, but we have to fit it into our worldview, so it must be okay that it's here. Uh, so the doctor has decided that he's going to go distract the police. So that Stephen can climb up on top of the TARDIS and fix the scan. The scanner is the blight on the top of the TARDIS. That's essentially mm-hmm. what the what the, the the light is. And so the Doctor ends up getting arrested or detained by the the police. He's he's handcuffed. I mean, he's so I suppose that's arrested, and he's taken inside. And there is this moment where he recognizes a a man who's inside the the station making a complaint about rebels moving his greenhouse
1: yeah this is this is a comedic character they've introduced here i i suspect although i haven't been able to verify that this is based on some kind of cultural gag that was around at the time that there was maybe mm-hmm. a british comedian who had a routine like this okay and but it's it's this random guy he showed up at the police station and he's flummoxing the police by complaining to them in an accent uh, that is not their accent about right. how his his house his greenhouse has disappeared and <laughs> rebels have taken it again and <laughs> and on a show like this i mean we've got a blue box that disappears regularly but a greenhouse that disappears is something else and Right. And so it's just kind of a non sequitur. And really, so this episode is in two acts. The first mm-hmm. act is at the police station, and it's the slower of the two acts. So they're really just chewing up time here. It's meant right. to be lightly amusing. The The show won't really kick into high gear until act two. Yes. But yeah, the, you're right, Dom. The doctor says something, and I think this is part of the joke about, I th- you know, I think I've seen you before, and he alludes to Jaffa, you know, seeing well, hi- him in Jaffa.
0: That part I know what that refers to. This mm-hmm. actor was in the first Doctor story, the Crusade that that, that it, Father right. Court just mentioned, yeah. and yep. so uh, which is about King Richard and the Crusade. So he's referring to you look a lot like someone I met in Jaffa, and it's the same actor, which Doctor Who likes to do. Like mm-hmm. you know, we in fact they really went far with this with the Twelfth Doctor, of course, with uh, Peter Capaldi recognizing his own face from right. uh, um, from
2: Rome. The,
0: the well, front, no, from Pompeii. Sorry, Pompeii. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could not get the word out. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, Stephen is sneaking about outside and he's near the back of a police car and notices a, or I think it's a police car. It's a car anyway. Yeah, he yeah. He sees police a police car. uniform. Okay. Uh, the animation I was looking at did not make it clearly a police car. Uh, so, it, and he sees a police uniform in the back of it and puts it on. And then he, and afterward, he'll get mistaken for. The, the new guy sent over from Division G, G Division, uh, and he goes with it so that he can fit in.
1: And he, the reason he, he dons the police costume is so he can infiltrate the police station and help the doctor.
0: Right, but, right. It, he's, he saw the doctor get arrested. So the doctor, meanwhile, is telling the policeman that he's an alien. <laughs> and, of course, they think well, he's an
1: he he doesn't say extraterrestrial. Yeah. He says, uh, I mean, they think he's British at first because of his accent, and he's like, right. "Oh no 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 no! I'm from much farther away than that. Scottish? No 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 no. Welsh? No 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 no. Uh, I'm a yeah. citizen of the universe. You might say. Yes.
0: Yeah. They 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 find that to be a little odd, and uh... that, that,
2: that, and, and of course, you know, knowing the time too, that sounds very hippie-ish.
0: Yes, mm. it does.
2: Well, we're we're not citizens. We're citizens of the universe man <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. yeah that does sound a bit like something out of uh out of uh the the, the mid-60s so they uh, think he's a, he's a, a crazy old man basically mm-hmm. at
1: this point point. and they therefore remand him to the custody of steven who says he's well known in division g and he'll take care of him
0: right yeah. meanwhile yeah. sarah has come out of the tardis and she's trying to tell the policeman that she has to fix the scanner and he has no idea what she's what she's talking about and he says well, it's Christmas, we're supposed to be lenient toward, you know, disruptive folks, so why don't you just move along and we'll forget yeah. that I ever had to talk to you.
1: And he thinks that she's going to a party, a fancy dress party, because of her space security suit that she's wearing. Right, Which is, you know, kind of dark and military looking and a little weird, you know. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a yeah. little bit of a space Nazi vibe, but without the swastikas and stuff. <laughs> and... Yeah. So she pretends to leave and he's another 60s thing is he tells her, have a swing in time. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she's confused because she's got nowhere to go. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, this, I came from inside the box.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, in this sequence, we hear periodically snatches of Christmas carols being sung by children in the background who are apparently mm-hmm. out caroling on the streets.
0: Right. Oh, one of the, by the way, one of the reasons they, uh, they, they, the policeman thought the doctor was crazy, because he actually tells them that the, the, the the blue box is not a police box. It is a machine for investigating time and relative dimensions in space. And that's, that's when they think he's a nutter. (laughs) Yeah.
2: yeah. So, he tells uh, them it's a TARDIS and they don't believe (laughs) him. Yeah. 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 Notice he does use the
1: plural, relative dimensions in space.
2: That's right.
0: That's right. Uh, So, as we, At the time that Stephen, by the way, is taking custody of the doctor, he calls him old man. And the doctor, much to the doctor's consternation, don't you call me old man? (laughs) You know, he does not like Stephen pointing that out. As the doctor and Stephen get to the TARDIS, though, the policeman who has been outside has grabbed Sarah, who was climbing on top of the police box to fix the scanner, and so we have this sort of melee of some sort where she gets free everyone get you know gets inside and it dematerializes in front of the policeman who is now thoroughly confused about what's going on and and and, and is left standing there and that's the end of act 1
1: act 2 yep. yes now things start happening now we get more fun
0: yes so they they materialize as far as we can tell inside a sawmill where a man mm. is trying to strap a woman to the to the saw like to like you know the classic with a it's sawn in half sort of thing steven runs out and tackles the guy but it turns out they're on a film set in hollywood and yeah. in, the in the early 1920s. 20th century yeah yeah the the 20s. he's like
1: 1921 yeah. is what the tardis data core says for this though i don't think they established that on screen the doctor yeah. does note the atmosphere is less polluted now right And so there's a reason why you have a screaming woman being strapped to a buzzsaw, just like in all those silent melodramas, because they're filming a silent melodrama. (laughs) Right. These are
0: the silent film
1: era.
2: It's kind of interesting, too, because, you know, we think of the silent film era as like way back when, you know, back when, you know, the world was in black and white. But there's a lot of people who had been watching this that it would have been living memory for them. They would have remembered the silent movies. And so it probably was pretty interesting. Probably nostalgic for him to go back, and actually they they pull in like the slideshows, you know, like the, the 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 title slides, title cards, title cards. Title cards. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. that's one thing they start doing is, is they start having these title cards in between the scenes of you know. Uh,
1: meanwhile,
0: back on the set. Yeah. <laughs>
1: meanwhile, in the shakes tent. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Right. So the what happens? So the director on this sawmill set thinks that they've been sent by Ce- Cecil B. DeMille to <laughs> sabotage him. I think that was a nice little touch. Uh, Stephen and Sarah have run off. The director, his name is Green. He w- he's wants them to be chased, but not to uh, punish them. He wants Stephen to replace his uh, his leading man, his actor, who Stephen has punched in the eye. Now as his big bruiser, and he's like, hey, "This guy's even better than my actor."
1: Doug Oh no, he says he's will be bigger than Fairbanks, meaning Douglas yes, Fairbanks. Well, and, right. and that sets off a fear on the part of the woman being strapped to the buzzsaw yes. because she's afraid that if if the previous leading man is now being replaced by Stephen, she might be replaced by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Right. And he might want to make Sarah the new Mary Pickford.
0: Right, <laughs> right. And uh, And meanwhile, speaking of famous actors the doctor and steven uh, end up running into charlie chaplin at wardrobe yep. so he mm-hmm. comes out uh sarah has got separated from them and she's on the set of a film set in the arabian desert where uh green now shows up the director and interrupts and the other director named knopf is irate <laughs> at them for for uh, interrupting his uh, his his uh film his filming it's funny to listen because because these are silent films the actors don't have to like have fake Arabian accents and so the actor yeah. who's playing the sheik has this like I think Brooklyn accent or something and it's very disconcerting and it's well, you think about it you know I never thought about that
2: and let, let's be honest you know, all these accents are pretty bad American accents these are not oh yeah these are obviously not American actors they brought over for this
1: no 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 you <laughs> should, oh you should Dom you should watch the musical singing in the rain because it's about the transition from the silent oh, yeah. era to the yeah. to the talkie era and the discongruity between what the audiences imagined right. the actors sounding like and what they actually yeah. sounded like is an enormous plot point in Singing in the Rain.
0: Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 That, that is. Yes. <laughs> that that and we don't think about that transition, but yeah, that is a big. I mean, that, it'll be like when we transition to like holograms, I guess. You know, when yeah. you know, holodeck movies. So meanwhile, Stephen, still in his police uniform, is mistaken for being a uh, an actor in a Keystone Cops movie and is d- dragged away <laughs> to be yeah. in a Keystone Cops scene. Which, if you don't know the Keystone Cops, they were a it was it was slapstick it was, Sla- slapstick. Slap,
1: slapstick comedy involving the police, filmed by a company called Keystone. Hence the Keystone mm-hmm. Cops.
0: Right, right, and yeah, there, it was involved a lot of like crazy crashes and accidents and people being bad. basically a YouTube video. So <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, it's a, a
1: lot like the Three Stooges, only really sped up fast.
0: Yes. Yep. So, uh, meanwhile, the doctor is mistaken for this Dr. Webster, who's supposed to be an expert on Arab culture, uh, for Knopf's movie that's set in a sheik's tent. Uh, and he immediately goes along with it. And he even spouts some Arabic, an Arabic phrase, and, and is willing to be the expert on Arab culture. <laughs>
1: And they bring him in to advise, and, you know, they had been filming a a love scene between the sheik and some woman, and he's making, you know, promises, I'm going to take you on my camel, and, you know, we'll fly away together and stuff. Right. And when the doctor sees the woman, he immediately says, you put on some more clothes, child. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) he does. (laughs) Uh, And he does, meanwhile, find Sarah hiding on the set. She was hiding in a box. The funny thing is, is Knopf, the director on this set, keeps seeing her in the background and says, she's wearing too many clothes. <laughs> take, you know, she's part take of the off harem. some of you're those the, clothes. <laughs> well, he says, you're in the harem scene.
2: Go go, get ready for the harem scene. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> so you have the, yeah, the, the the dueling sensibilities there. They're finally all reunited outside of the wardrobe, and they head back t- uh, to the Sawmill set where the director's, like we mentioned, trying to calm down his actress. I'm not trying to replace you. He he does spot the Doctor and the others sneaking onto the set, and another chase ensues.
1: In, in fact, the Doctor's line is, let's go back to the TARDIS. This is a madhouse. It's full of Arabs. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: A little politically incorrect by 21st century standards. The Doctor tried to get into the TARDIS, but there's this dejected comedian leaning against it who bends his ear talking about how Chaplin has done everything, and this. No room for another comic actor, so he'd switch to singing, but who will ever listen to a singer named Bing Crosby? And yes, so that's who this guy is supposed <laughs> yep. to be is Bing Crosby.
1: And it's the first time the doctor has interacted with someone from the real world played by an actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Not the so it's not act yeah, not actually Bing Crosby, but an actor playing Bing Crosby. Finally everyone gets back into the TARDIS, which takes off, and everyone on the movie said is amazed at the illusion. Wow, what amazing special effects. And then back in the TARDIS, the Doctor brings out drinks to Sarah and Stephen because they need to celebrate, because back in 1965, it was Christmas, and so, you know, they, happy Christmas. And he turns to the camera and wishes a happy Christmas to all the viewers at home as well. And that's that's where we end.
2: I wonder if that's that bottle of brandy that we saw in the uh, 12th Doctor, 1st Doctor crossover <laughs> Christmas. Oh, special. right.
0: Right, right. That never right. got
2: touched that the first doctor was upset because there was this much gone after how many thousands of years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh the, the evaporation will take care of some of that. So that's how it ends with a merry christmas from the doctor. So any final thoughts on this one guys? Uh, Father Corey?
2: It's just just a fun silly romp. And I, and again, you know, you, you could see that this would have been a great palate cleanser in the middle of the whole Dalek master plan story yeah. arc.
0: Yes. Uh, i
2: I thought
1: it was a lot more fun running around a movie set doing slapstick comedy than running through corridors ordinarily is
0: yes, that's right, that's right uh and uh, I should point out that we will be coming back to look at the Dalek master plan in its entirety at a later point as we get to it in our in our regular rotation of first doctor stories but uh but we wanted to take a break and uh and do this beast of Stephen right here so. Uh, so that's that's the Feast of Stephen, and uh, we should wrap things up here. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Julia C., Kimberly W., Joel D., Christopher L., and Carrie C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at Starquest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. Did you get a chance to watch The Feast of Stephen? Let us know what you think of it. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. And by the way, I'll put a link to the uh, various, the couple versions of The Feast of Stephen that we watched online, so you can uh, check it out for yourself. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the brand new 13th Doctor story, Ooh. the New Year's special called Revolution of the Daleks. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who.
2: Thank you, Dom, and Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. Jimmy Aiken. thank you as well.
1: Thank you, Dom, and Happy Christmas to all of you at home.
0: And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest, and Merry Christmas.
2: Here we are. What's this? Well, we so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time, we must. You celebrate? Yes. It's
0: Christmas. Don't you remember the police station Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, Doctor. Incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home. Right.
2: This is going to be fun.